Hello MacBiters. I have a plan. Shush. If she catches us we're doomed. I know what I'm doing you little upstart. Welcome to Matt Bites, episode 70. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Thomas. In this episode, new toys, Siri gets brethren, and battery origami. But first of all, a big shout out to Minster, who has just completed his third, yes, third MacBytes marathon. All 69 shows in only a few weeks, and for the third time, congratulations. Yes, congratulations, Minster. So, as a little reward... Here's episode 70, especially for you, Minster. But actually, it's not just Minster. No, we've been hearing from a lot of you. Uh, McJim has been keeping a weathered eye on us, hasn't he? He has. And our um, lack of activity. But more on me tempting him later. Uh, Jonathan was in New York, or just about returned, I think, at the time of our last show. He's since passed his exams and is now deep into his next year of study. He'd be retired if you'd waited much longer. And he's back on Twitter. And there were many, many more. Andy, Jenna, Steve, Dave, Lynn, Carrie, Jane, and many, many others. We appreciate the kick up the interface. So, on with the show. Yes, where were we up to? From memory, and a sneaky look at the show notes, I I just sent my iMac back for the second time. Is it all coming back to you now? I remember it well now, yes. Yes, it's indelibly lodged in my brain as well. Yes, my iMac had had a problem and it had had a problem for quite some time. It had a dead hard drive. So it had uh, been sent off for repair via Apple Care, but it was a third party provider. So um, I elected to do that to avoid Team Trafford and the intellectually challenged geniuses therein. So I was at the stage where it had been back. And it had returned. It had only taken about four days, but it was a fleeting visit because although they'd actually fixed the hard drive, the secondary problem was the screen. It did come back without the dark patches, but it had acquired several dead pixels on the journey. So uh, they collected it on the Friday and I was at the stage at the last show of being an iMac down. So that's where we'll pick up the story. These uh, these dead pixels, isn't that where you stick your coat over your head like we did in the uh, Apple store? No, no, these are totally different dead ah, pixels. Right. These are dead pixels that you can clearly see. Admittedly, you do have to look, but, you know, if you change a wallpaper, I have very plain wallpaper, and, and you can really see them, and especially when you're doing sort of Photoshop work. So, no, I'm not happy. And anyway, if I send it back with one problem, I don't expect it to come back with another. So that's where we were up to. It had returned. And yes, it came back again within the week. What could possibly go wrong this time? I don't know what could possibly go wrong this time. Ah, you should have guessed. More dead pixels. So, back it went again. Now, by this stage, it was doing uh, these journeys in the same box. They obviously were a little hard up and couldn't afford another box. So the, the box had done more miles than a retiring space shuttle. And I was confident. Not really. Third time lucky. Don't bet on it. So three screens later, I still had dead pixels. It was interesting, actually, where they all were. They were lower down on the screen. They're trying to tell me that it happened in transit. I just I just don't see that. But on its last journey back here, they'd actually managed to damage the case, which is 
hard to do, I would have thought, but it was tool marks across the top. <laughs> I'm just reading the, the show notes here, the recording notes, and I thought it said tooth marks, not tool marks. <laughs> no, 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 not tooth marks. <laughs> Although I was marginally annoyed, as you can imagine, and I could well have left tooth marks in solid aluminium. Uh, no, they'd, uh, it was tool marks across the top where they, where they pried the screen off the thing. Um, and also, which I, I marvelled at, I really did marvel at this one, they'd managed to take a chunk out of the leg at the back. That's hard going, isn't it, on an iMac? It's pretty solid. Mayer hadn't been at it, had he? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't Paul Mayer. Don't blame him. No, it, it looked like a screwdriver, as though they'd just sort of jabbed a screwdriver carelessly into it. So um, I wasn't pleased, as you can imagine, though I was uh, completely calm when I rang AppleCare. Now, I had to get on, on to AppleCare again. I, I decided it had been backwards and forwards too many times, and... Um, I told them the sad, sorry, sorry tale of my iMac and its uh, many journeys. To be honest, I have never actually... Well, I'd rung AppleCare once to get this thing booked in. But other than that, I've always dealt with stores. And everybody's opinion seems to be, oh, they'll just send another one. To be honest, contrary to popular opinion, it's not a slot machine. AppleCare is not a slot machine. You don't just ring them up and say, I want a new one, and they send you one. You don't make a call and out pops a new iMac, I'm afraid. They, I was on the phone for quite a while with them, and as I'd done all the right things, luckily it went well. And what are all the right things? Well, what I'd done was, um, I'd, I've sent computers back before. I remember sending an Acer laptop back with a day left on its extended warranty, and I, I didn't trust them. So I was concerned that as, as I sent it back, what I'd get back would be more damaged than what I sent. So I took a lot of photographs. Um, that repair went very, very well. It returned with everything fixed, no problems at all. But by then I'd got into the habit of doing that. So I'd taken lots of photos of the iMac before it left for the first journey. As it returned, before I even took it out of the box, I took photos of the box, I opened the lid and I took photos of it in situ in the box. Because what was happening was the polystyrene that they were supposedly securing it with was in bits. So I was taking photos before I knew there was an actual problem with it because it's too late once you've got it out of the box. AppleCare was saying, well, what, what was it like? What did it look like? And of course, I had all these photos. I'd also managed to get the um, repairers, air quotes, to admit to the damage in a phone call. And um, most importantly, I'd got all these telephone conversations recorded. Skype is a wonderful thing, as is Audio Hijack Pro. So uh, I do that with every every telephone conversation I make. I've got a whole folder full of telephone conversations and of course this this time it was important. So as I'd done all the right things, um, a new iMac was duly dispatched. They didn't have a leg to stand on. No, they didn't actually. <laughs> Neither did the iMac <laughs> by the end of its uh, many, many journeys. Um, they didn't have any of the exact same model. So I thought, oh, here we go. You know, what will you be prepared to settle for? Because obviously it would have been younger than the one that I had, which by this stage was, I think it was a 2010 model. Um, but no, I got a higher spec, brand new iMac. So I'm very happy with AppleCare. For once. No, no, I'm not unreasonable. No, not when you get in your own way. Exactly. There was one thing that um, I must admit I had given no consideration to until they mentioned it. And um, it's something that we, you and I have discussed, but we've never talked about on the show, which was the replacement RAM issue. As soon as I get an iMac, 
I never, I never get the extra RAM from Apple. It's far too expensive. So the first thing I do is take it up to a cost-effective maximum. It's usually about half what the machine can take. And then about 12 to 14 months down the line, I'll probably double whatever I've managed to put in it as soon as it arrived. So I think this thing had four gig in it originally. Um, where at the point it was returning for repair, it had 16 in it. So I'd put 16 in it. And what had happened was I'd upgraded everything previously. If you remember, price of RAM came down and I said, let's look at all the machines we've got and see what we can do with them. So because we were upgrading more than one, I was taking two two gigs out of one machine and putting one two in another machine to take that up to its maximum and so forth. I think it so was the RAM shuffle, wasn't it? It was, and it, it did get quite complicated, but there's no point just replacing everything across the board and paying more. So I'd worked it all out, and uh, every Mac in the house had was up to its maximum at the time, which meant I had a drawer full of RAM sticks, all neatly labelled. So when I was talking to AppleCare, they said, um, I think I had mentioned that I'd had more RAM in it and that was the, all, the only change that I'd made. But what they wanted when it returned, they wanted the original RAM in it. So where was the original for? Hmm, I had no idea. It was the only RAM that was missing from the drawer. Wouldn't you know it? Luckily, I did manage to locate four gig of Apple RAM of the right kind. But you and I had discussed it and I'd said to you that my opinion was when I take out the, the meagre amounts of, of RAM that ship with my Macs, I wouldn't be bothered about selling them. I'd just put them in a drawer and label them and leave them there for no particular reason at all. I mean, I'm not going to take out more RAM and put them back, am I? But that, that's just what I do with them. But you said you could probably sell them on eBay. And at the point that the RAM is going in brand new, you probably get a reasonable amount of money for them, probably around the 40, 50 pound mark, something like that, because that's usually about the price of however much RAM you're talking about. But I never have actually sold it. But I know that you were, your opinion was you thought you would. I thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. Think again. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to work that. Uh, luckily for me, I, as I say, I did have four. I could muster four gig of original Apple RAM. But if I'd sold it, I don't know what I would have done because the, they wouldn't take it back without it. They also insisted um, on the mouse and keyboard going back too, which I thought was slightly odd, but plenty of mice and plenty of keyboards around. And for me, it meant I managed to ship back that keyboard that the leg fell off if you recall that one. I remember that one. Yes, that, that um, was discussed at the Trafford Centre. Yes, it's um, the low keyboard. I know you're thinking, what leg? It's a tiny sliver of rubber. And believe me, if it's not there, the, the keyboard just skates across the desk. So um, I had, I was contemplating taking it back in, but you know, to take a whole journey to return a keyboard when you're thinking and you'll get there and it'll be, oh no, we don't do that. So I hadn't actually taken it in. So I thought, well, I'll slip this one in and then no one will be any the wiser. So back that went as well. So I got a shiny new keyboard and a shiny new mouse, which I've since managed to have a problem with. But that's a whole different story. But anyway, that leads us nicely on to catching up from the rest of the year. Mountain lion or not. I did. You didn't. I didn't again. Um, well, it's during the day, isn't it? So you're at work and I'm sat there with the machine poised to install it. And I did, I must admit. They didn't get any better, did they? Another download debacle. It was actually worse than lying. It took me over two hours to even get, get the thing started. By the end of the day, I downloaded 8.2 gig in updates and I'm thinking we're not really ready for this online thing. We've said it before, but 
I really don't think we are. I put it on my 2009 24-inch iMac, which only has 8 gig of RAM, uh, and it's had Leopard, Snow Leopard, Lion, and now Mountain Lion, and never had a clean install. Took it quite well, considering, really, considering the age of it and the state of it. That was why, two days later, I put it on my main Mac. Which could have gone better, couldn't it? Could it? Oh, yes, it could. Um, I had a few issues. Um, oh, yes, you did. I, did. I had a lot of issues over about two weeks. But in the end, I was glad I did it because, for me, Notification Centre was fantastic. So, I guess I bit the bullet on that one. But there were a few things. And, and to be honest, we're over six months on and they've not really fixed them. Um, I can't tell you the number of times I typed a dress book and they'd renamed it to Contacts. And it doesn't look any better either. Uh, and I had to use um, what was iCal, what is now Calendar, and it couldn't find that either. This this is my launch bar situation. There were a few tips that you could rename your shortcut in launch bar, but I stuck with it, and now I do call them contacts and calendar. But it's the little things. Apple gets so much, so many of the big things right, but the little things. Six months on, they're still broken, and it's infuriating. One problem I've got is my blurry icons. You've seen these, haven't I've you? I've seen your blurry icons. They're horrible, aren't they? Yeah. You could not believe how much it affects your use of your computer that the icons are blurry. For anybody who's not had this problem, or if you've seen it and then you reboot and it goes away, I'll explain what the problem actually is. I had exactly the same issue when I went from Snow Leopard to Lion. On a clean install, you're absolutely fine. You will not have blurry icons. But on an updated install, every now and then, uh, your application icons, your folder icons, they just go completely blurry. So really, really pixelated. And when you think that the icons are now 1024 square, to see them less than 16 pixel square and, and scaled on a 27 inch screen, it's horrible. And you think, yes, but it's not doing any harm. That everything works, you know, I can start the applications, but they just look so horrible. Sometimes a reboot cures it. Sometimes it doesn't. You need to reboot three times or four times. And it's, it's an annoyance. It, you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect anything, but it is so annoying. And I know from my experience with Lion that a clean install will fix it. I just don't have the time. I really don't have the time to get everything back in place. I know it doesn't take anything like as long as it used to take me to build a PC, but just don't have the time so, so that's just a real annoyance my macbook air that i got um in september obviously had a clean install of mountain lion on it and that's got no blurry icons to be seen so why they've not fixed this in almost two years is totally beyond me and that's the kind of thing that really niggles me another one that i pointed out to you today and you had you'd not noticed at all had you? i hadn't is um i'm calling it list view dialog box crawl which is pretty descriptive, but not if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I have my dialog boxes in list view. So when I go to save a file or open a file, it's in list view. Just personal preference. And um, on my, my returned iMac, well, it wasn't returned. By this stage, it was a brand new iMac. And I'm working away on this thing. And I'm thinking, I'm sure I had that dialog box bigger. And seemingly over the day, the dialog box had got smaller. So, of course, you think it's yourself, don't you? I should have known better, really. Unlikely to be me. Literally, as I'm saving, I'm, I might start with the dialogue box. And if you think about the left-hand side of a dialogue box where it has all your favourites and your mounted volumes listed, I could see them all. And by the end of the day, I could only see half of them. 
And what I was doing was just making the dialogue box bigger. So as it got too small, I just made it bigger. And I thought, this used to stick. I know it used to stick. And what's happening is it, it's, it looked insane. It was wide enough. It was very wide, but it just kept shrinking height-wise. So I put up with this for months and months. No, didn't really Google it and, and think, oh, it's a problem. I must look that up. Just thinking, must just be me. Until I was looking up something totally different, probably related to blurry icons, you know, looking for yet a fi another fix that doesn't include a rebuild. And um, I found that other people had this same issue. They described it slightly differently, but the issue was exactly the same, that they use their dialog boxes in list view and over the course of a day or between reboots or whatever, the dialog box shrinks. I mean, it gets to a minimum size where you can see about six lines and then it stays like that. But if you make it bigger and you start opening and saving files again, by the time you've done that about 10 times, it's shrunk back again. It's ludicrous. Again, it's a very, very tiny point. But considering that it wasn't happening even in Lion, how do they do that? Do the programmers sit there and think, how can we annoy somebody? And I know we'll, we'll choose somebody who uses list view and then we'll make the dialogue box to, you know, get gradually smaller over the day. Because how do you break something like that? Nothing else is broken. Doesn't happen in any other view. Just that one. Just the one I use. Not that I'm taking it personally or anything. No. Much. Mm. But you couldn't be tempted, could you? Not even now can you be tempted. No, I'm still on Lion. I was going to I was gonna do a clean setup um, on the MacBook Pro at Christmas, but I was ill, so I didn't get the time. And I'm still on Lion. Mm. But you know what Apple will do, don't you? Go on. They'll have a special event and they'll bring out something fabulous that only works on Mountain Lion. They did it last year with iBooks Author. Only worked on Lion. You upgraded within the day. Yeah, and I haven't actually used iBooks Author. No, but it was a toy and you wanted it. True. Anyway, I've got an idea. If you remember, and I don't think you'll forget, <coughs> February last year was when they announced Mountain Lion. Yeah. So, do you think there'll be a new cat announced next month? Let's start a rumour. Let's not start a rumour. I think that's the only rumour that I've not already heard mm. this year. I've heard all about iPhone 6 and, you know, iPad 17. I've not heard anything about the next version of OS 10. So let, let it be known you heard it here first, but we're not rumouring. No, we're not. Let's no. move on. Well, also in our hiatus, I bought a Nexus 7. You turncoat. Actually, I like it a lot. I was amazed that... Online services, and I use so many of them, really show that the actual platform is reducing in, in, in importance. I've not actually tried sort of using Windows on a daily basis, but um, people really just expect stuff to work on any device. Now, some people you know, who aren't particularly into Apple or, or tech in a, in a big way, they're not making a distinction between iPads and Nexus 7s and anything else. They just expect stuff to work on any device. And um, Evernote, completely surprised me it is gorgeous on android i know they've done a big big makeover of it on ios but i'm still on the fence about that there's some things missing and it, it's it, it does work i suppose when you're working with it but i actually think the android version is far nicer i must admit so um yes and the depths of dark side doubling duplicity continued with they were not going to believe this one are they office 2013 but more on that next week. Next week. Office? Microsoft Office? Eh, uh, yes. So moving swiftly on.
Um, the iMac replacement in the Nexus wasn't the only new kit, but there was a lot that we didn't buy. They're not going to believe all this, are they? No. What didn't we buy? Lots. Well, go on. Uh, we didn't buy an iPhone 5. We didn't buy an iPad mini. We didn't buy an iPad 4. I didn't buy an iPad, um, an iPhone 4S. Uh, we didn't buy a Retina MacBook Pro. We didn't buy a Mac Mini. We didn't buy an iMac. Hmm. We need to go and buy something, clearly. <laughs> anyway, I know you're shocked, but we do have some new toys. I've mentioned my MacBook Air. Love my MacBook Air. But um, yes, our duplicity didn't stop there because uh, I got a Kindle Paperwhite. You didn't get a Kindle Paperwhite. No, I didn't get though, a did Kindle you? Paperwhite. And I didn't get an iPod Touch. Um, I did. <laughs> yes, you didn't tell me. <laughs> I did when it arrived. In my defence, I did when it arrived. Yeah, that wouldn't be the first time, would it? Yes, I love my, my Paperwhite, I must admit. Um, I, I liked my other Kindle. But uh, the Paperwhite is gorgeous. It is very, very nice. It's lighter than the other one. I had the um, 3G one. And I use it lots. I really do use it lots. But I found I'm actually using it for novels and I'm not using it for technical work at all. I've had a look. I always check whether it's available on Kindle or iPad or um, I buy technical books from O'Reilly, uh, Peach Pit, Adobe. And they have their own systems going on where you don't just buy one format. You can buy... Um, I think it's up to five formats O'Reilly have and they're DRM free as well. So I love buying them from them rather than getting just, you know, one Kindle version. I know you can read Kindle on iPad and iPhone and stuff, but I just like all the different ones. And um, I've really taken to using mainly PDFs for, for reading technical books, but I do love my Paperwhite for novels and things. And then, yes, there was my iPod Touch. It's gorgeous. I got that instead of an iPhone 5, which I'm hear I'm hearing a lot of people say exactly the same. And it is. It's gorgeous. It is beautiful. And I went for the white one because I really didn't like the black, which is quite a turnaround, isn't it? Yeah. Our first iPhone was uh, white. And then we went over to black. I'm now back with white. I really didn't like the design of the black one at all. And what else did I get? Oh, yes, RAM. I got 32 gig of RAM. Um, I was waiting for news of the IMAX, which obviously we got not too long before Christmas. Uh, was a bit on the fence about the update. I mean, they look fabulous. I'm not concerned about the lack of a DVD. I've got over the Blu-ray situation. Took me a long time, but I've got over it. It was the little things, like they've taken away the line in, which I thought was... You know, it, how to, how big is a line import? Because you not just leave it alone. I use that all the time. So I'd have to use something else like an iMic or something instead, which, you know, you've got more things hanging off it. I thought that was a strange decision. So uh, because I'd promised myself a new iMac, mind you, having said that, I promised myself a new iMac 18 months before. I said to myself, the next time the iMacs are revisioned, I'll have one. Um, I decided I'd treat myself to something considerably cheaper, which was 32 gig of RAM. And uh, it's amazing. I expected things to be a little bit quicker, but certainly going from even 4 gig to 16, there wasn't the difference that there is going from 16 to 32. So if you can put 32 gig in your computer, I, I recommend that highly. It was a very cost effective and worthwhile update. So that's what was new, but um, not everything survived at MacBytes headquarters in 2012, as we had our own little sunsetting fest, didn't we? Sunsetting. Yes. Uh, 
in terms of apps really um i've i've stopped using quite a few apps i was using yoink which i did actually find useful there was a couple of little annoyances with it but i did find it was great because you know we just talked about those um horrible little annoyances that apple are doing mm -hmm. nothing to fix another one of them is um i was always able i've got two monitors and i was always able to drag and drop from a browser so if there was an image I wanted or I wanted to drag and drop the URL to the desktop, which I did quite a lot to send it to you, what I could do was drag and drop. And when I dropped it on the desktop, a shortcut to the URL or the actual file appeared where my mouse pointer was when I dropped it. Oh, no, not on Mountain Lion. When I did it the first time, I thought, where's that gone? And I thought it hadn't done it. So I did it again. And it, it sounded as though it had done it, but I couldn't find it. And literally, I dragged and dropped it about a dozen times and no, it wasn't there. So I thought, don't tell me they've broken that. When I actually cleared my entire desktop, they were all randomly placed around the middle of the main monitor. So whenever I drag and drop from the secondary monitor to the secondary monitor, it doesn't stay on the secondary monitor. It just randomly appears on the main monitor. Now, obviously, I've probably got half a dozen windows open and I can't see it. It could, of course, be a conspiracy to sell trackpads because you can always do that four finger. Uh, what would you call gesture. that? A four finger <laughs> gesture. Yes. Oh, there was a few gestures involved. Not all of them had four fingers. Mm, but yes, the four finger gesture, which uh, moves all everything off your desktop. And there in the middle were all these icons. So that was why I started using Yoink. Yoink opened a sort of shelf at the side of your monitor and let you put the icon on there. The only problem I had with it was it was on the left of the screen, the main screen. And my secondary monitor's on the left. So this yoink shelf, instead of appearing on the left of my whole work area, appeared bang in the middle of it. And it also automatically appeared. So as I dragged anything anywhere, it would fly out and sit there for a couple of seconds and then disappear. So it got annoying, which was where drop shelf came in. A brand new app from the people who make PopClip. And we love PopClip. And uh, Dropshelf does everything Yoink does and more and doesn't get in the way. So I sunsetted Yoink, sadly. It was with a heavy heart. I can still see a use for it on a MacBook Air with a single screen. But sadly, Yoink departed at MacBytes headquarters. And something else that I've talked about for a while is Espresso. I can't remember. Did you use that? A little bit. Mm, only when I insisted. Yeah. One of those. One of those. <laughs> yeah, we upgraded to Espresso 2. Can't remember if that was last year or towards the end of 2011. But I loved it. It was great. Um, loved the editor. It is a HTML and CSS editor. And I really did love it. But then Coda 2 came out. Oh, Coda 2 was pretty. It was very, very nice. Um, I did have to sort of transition my editing to it. But uh, I decided in the end that I preferred it to Espresso. So after many years of happy Espresso use, I did sunset that as well. And I went to Coda too. And something that we've talked about before as well, which is TextMate. And we've talked about it in relation to where's the update? And I remember when we very first talked about that as being um, imminent. I heard from a developer who was supposed to have known a developer who knew the developer. It was imminent. And you know when that was? A long time ago. Well, yes, <laughs> it was when it was the week we joined Twitter and we went to that user group meeting. It was May 2008. 
And we, we were galloping into 2012 and had no update to TextMate. And I use TextMate because it's fast. It starts up very fast. And then there was a new version. It was in beta. Well, actually, it was in alpha. There was this new version. And um, things weren't looking too bad until he open sourced it or did something weird with it. And um, every time I started it, it updated itself, which took away the entire reason that I was using it, which was because it was fast. Um, you could probably turn off the updates, but because it was in alpha, you really did need to keep updating it. So in the end, I decided that uh, trying to use it was more trouble than it was worth. And I uninstalled it. I haven't uninstalled it, but I've stopped using it. And another app that uh, bit the dust was Drop Copy Pro. I think we have mentioned that before. Got a whole replacement thing going on for that one. I expected that one to go, but there was a really sad loss, something I did not expect to ever be stopped using. I think you probably still use it, but I, I can't be getting on with it anymore. And that's Skitch. What did they do to Skitch? What did they do to Skitch? Oh, come on, you've seen it. Um, oh. they, they stripped it out, didn't they? Stripped all good <laughs> There's bits nothing away. left, really. It's really sad. I was hoping they'd add text formatting to it so the text looked a little bit better because I've used Skitch every day for six years and I was I gleefully downloaded the new version of it and I was absolutely horrified so I did what every sane person did put the old one back and I did carry on using it for a couple of weeks but there was this nagging doubt at the back of my mind I really don't like using something that's an old version because I know at some point it's going to break and the moment it breaks, my workflow breaks with it. So what I was looking for was an alternative while Skitch is still actually usable. So I, I could have Skitch running and I could have my alternative that I was testing running and then, you know, transition gently. I need to be moved gently from my software when it breaks on me. So, um, yes, RIP Skitch, sadly. Maybe they'll they'll bring it back to its former glory, but at the moment... It's horrible. Dun, it is really, dun, really dun, horrible. Dun, 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 Sadly, dun, dun, yes. Dun, dun, dun. That, that, was, that was really sad because the other ones were sort of, I'd moved on to something better for a reason, but no, not that one. Oh, dear. So everything that went did get replaced by something new and shiny. So plenty to talk about in future shows, but um, just some of the apps that I've, I've now replaced them with. Bartender was fabulous. That was a, that was a great acquisition last year. Um, our text needs are now met with Sublime. Uh, Drop Zone, which I think we've mentioned. I also got quite a few other apps that I've started using. So Folder, Reflector, Air Parrot. And I know that everyone out there is going to say, what? this year just now but i've started using handbrake i know i know i'm a little bit behind the times with it but it doesn't work properly for me so we'll be taking a deeper look at that shortly um also day one which i've been keeping a diary since last february yes my journaling has improved greatly so we're almost up to a year with day one and absolutely love that and uh, also brought back some old apps you know, you get these apps and you try them and you think, mm, that's cool. And then you just don't have a need for it. Yeah. Or we get them in a bundle. Or they, oh, yes, we get them in a bundle. I, I do remember buying that one, but I, I think I bought it twice. I think I got it from the app store as well. But there's an app called Courier from, um, oh, who make that? The Rapid Weaver people. Real, is it Real Mac? That's the one. And I tried it. It uh, lets you send files. So it lets you upload files to sort of uh, online services. 
And it was all very quaint. You know, it uses envelopes and stamps as an analogy. And yeah, you can see your file moving across from continent to continent. But I, it was a little bit gimmicky. I thought, why don't I just use an FTP client and be done with it? So I must admit, with that one, I, I sort of, I didn't even bother installing it on my new machine. But it has a new lease of life, so I should be explaining that in future shows as well. So was it just me that killed stuff off? No, I killed a few things off as well. I killed uh, Echophon off. I'm not sure whether you got there before the developer with that one. Yeah, yeah, I was finding on the phone that it was crashing every time I wanted to upload a picture. So um, I have gone to Tweetbot on the iPhone uh, and I decided to use Osphora on the desktop. I've still got Echophone on the iPad. I really need to move over to Tweetbot so uh, the two are in sync. As I said, I um, pretty much stopped using TextMate, mainly use uh, Sublime, which you mentioned before. Um, although th that really depends on what I, I remember to choose when I right click and say open with on a text file. Uh, and Drop Copy Pro, um, like yourself, I don't, well, there's no point in me using it. Is there, if <laughs> no, I, if I'm not, it if really you're not, Because we use it for shifting files between the two of us. That would be like using a one way walkie talkie, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that had to be both or neither. Yeah. Um, clear. You were going to mention that, weren't Oh, you? yes. Clear came out and everybody thought it was fabulous. And I wondered how many people, you know, a good few months on were still using it. And just as I was thinking that, I mean, obviously I bought it and I had to play with it, but I really use OmniFocus. So there was such a, a massive difference between the two. I thought Clear had um, a possible use. Let's, let's. I won't go any further than that. Possible use for me. You know, when you're just making a quick note. But even then, I think I'd probably stick it in, into Evernote. But just as I was thinking, I bet no one's using it anymore. They brought out a Mac version. And guess what? Bought that as well. <laughs> I'm so easily led with software. Yeah, I can't use that. It's Mountain Lion only. And yet it didn't tempt you to update to Mountain Lion. No. Yeah, something will. Mark my mm. words. I'll give it another month. Um, yet the synchronisation is fantastic. Uh, I must admit, I'm still just tinkering with it really i i don't use it to any great degree because i've got omnifocus and evernote but yeah i thought it was interesting that it was then there and once they brought out a synchronization feature to it i it did tempt me back so i'm sure it tempted others back as well oh dear but there was some new stuff as well we we had a right old laugh i remember this time last year about things at vaporware and one of them was the things cloud remember that ah yes it actually appeared this year, and apparently it works. Ooh. So, yes, good good to them. They also gave free upgrades, I think, to version 2, which is very, very nice. And, and the interface is beautiful. But it, it, there's not enough there to prise me away from OmniFocus, I'm afraid. And uh, as we mentioned, there was a new version of TextMate. I'm sure we sniggered about that last year as well. That uh, TextMate was nowhere to be seen. One thing I noticed reappear... And I really have um, grievances with this app. Uh, it's now called Media Pro, but it used to be called iMedia Pro. Remember that one? Yes, I remember that one. Yeah, Microsoft bought it. I literally went to the site and I'd been looking at it for a good couple of weeks and I'd, I'd got a trial of it. And I thought, OK, this is the one. I'm going to buy it. But it, it's not cheap. Not cheap at all. It's around the £200 mark. So it was a big investment. And I went to the site and just as I was about to click the buy button, I noticed at the top of the screen... It said a Microsoft product. And I thought, what? What? When, when did this happen? That wasn't there yesterday. And um, yes, they bought it. And what they did was they they said, you know, as they do, 
You know they do because you've seen this a million times. We're going to keep developing it. It's going to be fabulous. We're taking the developers on. It'll be much better. At which point they stripped out half of the features, rebranded it as a expression media. And um, it was never seen from, or from again, really. It became part of that suite that replaced a front page. Expression Web. Expression it? Web, Expression Design, something like that. It's a media management tool. So it's something like uh, the media management side of iPhoto or ACDC or Adobe Bridge. So if you're familiar with any of those, it's sort of like that. What you could do with it, though, was um, it had its own database. So you could actually catalogue and browse CDs and DVD content without the CD or DVD in the drive. So it was great for catalogues. Uh, you know, companies, uh, I, I work with companies who have stock media and they want access to it, but not the actual media. So the media is on a server somewhere, but they want people to be able to browse low quality versions of it. So for that, there was really nothing else. Well, the good news, well, I thought it was good news, was that Microsoft have passed it along and it's now gone independent again. It's now called Media Pro, still £200, which is heck of an expense when you compare it to other software. Um, but I looked at the reviews and the reviews are overwhelmingly awful. So bad people are going back to using the Microsoft version. So I gave it a wide berth, but uh, possibly one to keep an eye on. Why they don't just go back to the original, original version and update that, I don't know. Because in the blurb it says, you know, we've completely rewritten it from the ground up. I would do wish people wouldn't do that. Isn't that what they said about Sketch? Yeah. Very seldom ends up better. It should <laughs> do, but it very seldom ends up better. Hmm. So uh, all that was new last year. But no new iWork. Oh, yes. iWork. The application to be now known as Sad Trombone. Yes, together with uh, Aperture, there was quite an update, but I don't think it qualified as sort of a next whole version update, but at least it got some kind of update. And have you seen how old iLife is now? Quite old, I'd say. Yes, it is. And when I see all the development that's got into the iPad versions and all the features that are in the iPad versions that aren't in the desktop version, I'm getting worried. But on the upside, it does mean 2013 should be a good year for Apple software updates. But whether it will or not remains to be seen. Now, how about a whole section dedicated to all the things I broke in 2012? Yeah, we could get a whole show out of that one. That's what I thought. Uh, OK, then. Next next time. But uh, there's some good ones in there, isn't there? There is. But in the meanwhile, we have an update on the Google graveyard that we mentioned. Yes, they killed Sparrow. That's like killing Cock Robin, isn't it? <laughs> yes, they killed Sparrow, and I, I use Sparrow. Or Len, not Lenny. <laughs> what? I said, I said Lenny. I meant Kenny. <laughs> oh, be serious. Kenny from South Park. They yes, I know who you mean. But he wasn't called Lenny, was he? <laughs> I never watched South Park. But I do know they killed Kenny. I've seen it on YouTube. Oh, that's the extent of uh, my experience with South Park. Right, so they killed Cock, Cock Robert, Cock Sparrow. Cock Robert. Do you know, I, I've completely lost the thread of this now. Yes, they did. They killed Sparrow on me, and I love Sparrow. I'm still using it on the iPhone, but um, I've got a feeling its days are probably numbered. I'm waiting for Mailbox, 
We were promised a new app. There was a lot of fuss about it just before Christmas. It's supposed to be available for the phone called uh, Mailbox for Google Mail. And I was, it looked nice. It looked very, very nice. It was supposed to be nicer than Sparrow. And I've not seen uh, sight and a sign of it since. So hopefully that one will come out. And you know what I'll do? I'll probably buy that one as well. I really do need to rein in this software purchase. Every time I buy one, Google kill it. I think I should sue them. <laughs> Maybe not. I got very worried, actually, especially when they bought Snapseed. My first thought was, I wonder how long that's got. <laughs> yes. The less significance for us, because we've already got a Google Apps account, was when they um, killed the free version, which I can actually understand. That was more logical, because how often have I said to you, I'd like to pay for this, so I, I've got some support. Yeah. Because you had that account, didn't you? That you um, lost access to. Well, they, they kicked you out of unceremoniously. Do you remember? Yes, I do and remember. And how difficult was that to try and get back? Im- impossible. I, I remember it took weeks and weeks, and the language was choice. And in the end, they wouldn't even take the original sign-up emails as proof it was yours, would they? No. Now, no. if you pay for it, then they've got your credit card. How can they deny it's your account? Very true. So at the moment, I'm not paying for my Google Apps account, but I'm, I have been seriously contemplating parting with money for it for quite some time because it is sort of my main, my main mail. So I think I might do that. Another one they killed was uh, Google Desktop, which I never really used, but I could see the benefit of. But that died as well. So we'll put that link to the Google graveyard in, in the notes. It's always worth, always worth going down memory lane. It actually has it up there, the date that um, whichever service it was, was launched and the date that they killed it. But uh, bad news for those in the South this week. Google are buying London. Only a matter of time then. <laughs> yes, um, they've bought some headquarters, some land to, to build a headquarters on. So as I'm saying, I think it's only a matter of time before London is um, sunsetted. Mm. Yes, you heard it here first. But it wasn't just Google, was it? Talking of the no. air being blue. Yes. Adobe. Adobe's murderous rampage. I'm not happy. I am not happy. I did um, a whole webinar on Adobe Touch Apps, and they're fabulous, aren't they? When I say they are, I mean they were, don't I? They really are. Were. Mm, yes. Oh, dear, dear, dear me. Adobe, what were you thinking? They brought out a whole range of apps for tablets. They insisted, however, this is all to do with Apple. They're, they're like, it's like watching, remember the video that came with that Frankie Goes to Hollywood song? Yeah. Two tribes. Yeah. That's what they're like. So rather than give Apple the satisfaction of bringing out Adobe apps on um, iOS, no, they insisted on doing the Android ones first and charging for them. Yes, Android apps that are charged for. There's a concept. And they wonder why it didn't work. Eventually, they brought out these touch-ups for iPad. I think the first thing they did wrong was there was too many of them. Seriously, there was about 11 or 12 of them. And nobody knew what each one did, apart from Photoshop Touch does what it says on the tin. And that one's selling very, very well. That one is not dead, you will be glad to know. That one is absolutely fabulous. We'll put a link in the show notes to those videos I did. The George Clooney one, particularly enjoyable. What a night that was. But I digress. Right, uh, so Adobe Touch-Ups. So Photoshop Touch is okay, but they did have one called Proto. They had another one called Collage. You saw them demonstrated. They were great, weren't they? They were. They had great potential. So, what do Adobe do? They kill them. 
But what they did was they used a good time to bury bad news and I hate that. It was just before Christmas. It was about, I think it was just the back end of the week before Christmas. And um, I saw one post about it and I read it and I couldn't believe it. I thought this is ludicrous. You know, if you'd have brought it out for iOS first, if you'd have charged a reasonable amount, if you'd made them free and made the updates inside, um, what do you call them? Those ones I never bother with. In-app purchases. Those things, right? Which they did with Adobe Ideas, I seem to recall. It wasn't layers. Yes, that's right. Layers yeah. was an in-app purchase. Yeah. Then it's, it's your choice. You can at least try it. But, you know, they wanted proper money for these apps. And there's far too many others out there that people would use as an alternative and they wouldn't budge on it. But to say it was a good time to bury bad news is an understatement because it was so good. Half the Adobe community themselves didn't even notice until after Christmas. Even I thought they'd got away with it. But the first week back, as people caught up with probably thousands of RSS feeds, then the proverbial really hit the fan. And um, it's been rumbling on ever since, hasn't it? But uh, no sign they're, they're going to bring them back. So the two I was particularly disappointed in them going was um, Adobe Collage and Adobe Proto. Proto actually enabled you to you know, use your finger or, or a stylus and just really, really roughly draw out a web page. And it converted it into a wireframe for you. And you could take it from there to Dreamweaver. It was brilliant. But no, they, it died. Um, I also noticed huge changes to acrobat.com now i know you've got an acrobat account but you said you didn't even get an email i didn't no adobe acrobat account there was a chargeable one but there was also a free account and what it enabled you to do which was brilliant was you could have um, three people in an adobe connect room so what made it so good was when i'm training people in uh, virtual learning so virtual learning environments i train trainers who have never trained virtually before they could sign up for an acrobat.com account and they could get two mates you know two other trainers in the room with them and they didn't need the the whole thing i mean a, a, a connect account is an arm and a leg the fact they could just practice with three people and webex do a similar thing for free don't they mm just yeah. three people in a room it was brilliant they've um what did they call it some kind of what what was those terms they use strategic realignment something like that yeah yeah it basically meant we're charging for this now and uh, it was quite expensive not even the adobe community have mentioned that so i'm wondering whether they just didn't get the email seriously <laughs> didn't get the mail didn't get the memo Could so nobody's mentioned that so um, it wasn't just them but anyway, moving back to Apple, I think we should before I get upset with Adobe. Not only London that should be worried, as news broke this week of a job opening at Apple that should have MacBite Siri worried, I feel. Yes, they're looking to hire a creative writer who can help spice up Siri's personality. Oh, good grief. And this from the company that hired Browit. I think Siri's got a point there, you know. <laughs> I dread to think who they'll take on. Who's the most lackluster person you can think of? That's probably who they'll take on. Mm. Oh dear, poor Siri. Anyway, onward with the app review. And first of all, I've got to say, this deserves an... Ooh. Oh, it's my job to ruin the reviews. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yes, we are looking at um, a new app with a bit of a history. It is a new version um, of an app that was known as Riaddle Docs. It is now known as Documents for iPad from Riaddle. 
The original version, this is version 4 um, and comes with the rename, but the original, original version was launched on the 1st of April 2010, so it was one of the uh, very first apps for iPad, probably designed without the benefit of actually having an iPad to view it on. Remember those days? I do. Yeah, the early apps didn't even have an iPad. So um, they often have offers on their software. So I bought it way back in uh, August 2010 for 69 pence. And um, I did try it. It's an, an OK app, but like so many others, you know, you've got it installed and then you realise you've got a new device. You put on the stuff. I don't know how other people do it. I never transition to devices. So when I get a new device, I put apps on that I need and as I use them and I don't recall that one getting put back on because by then I was using something else but um an air sharing was, was a similar situation you remember air sharing I remember that one as well yeah it was one of the first um th- apps that tried to get over the wall garden situation of transferring documents so I, I used that, but again, I'd, I virtually stopped using it. But recently, I had the need to use it on an older device. And I thought, I said to you, what was that app called? It had a red icon. And we looked through there and it was air sharing. And um, I was really impressed at the improvements into air sharing. So made me think, maybe need to go back and look at these older apps and see what the new versions are like. Um, Documents from Riadle is a documents viewer stroke management utility. And if you think that sounds like Goodreader, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Now, I use Goodreader. So why I use do Goodreader. You, why do you use Goodreader? Uh, why do I use Goodreader? Because um, it's very flexible and it meets my requirements. Um, I good Goodreader is rock solid to me. I've never, ever had a problem with it. It's got a, a huge range of features. Um, I love the way it can link to all the online services you could think of. So if you've got files in Dropbox and Box, Google Docs, SkyDrive, it links to them all, which sort of acts as a hub so you can transfer from one service to another. For me, the local transfer was brilliant. So I can transfer documents from my desktop to my iPad. And you just become familiar with one app, don't you? Yeah. You become really, really good with one app yeah. if that's the app that you use. And, and for me, I, I used it all the time. I've built a personal reference system in it. So I've got this huge, huge library. So when I'm out, I've got almost all my, well, I probably have got all my ebooks with me. So over 30 gig now. Um, I could put them in the cloud, but I do actually just have them on the iPad. Um, because then I can search. I can search for actual books themselves and I can search within those ebooks. But well, along with Goodreader comes a couple of problems. The interface isn't great, is it? It's functional. It's functional rather than pretty. For some strange reason, it reminds me of DOS. Oh. You know the, the, the menu structures people used to build in DOS? Yeah. Where you drill down. It reminds me of that. Um, But as I say, all the functions are there. So transferring files from local machines, you've got options. You you don't just have to use one method. You can use the old iTunes method, which I don't know about you, but I never, ever, ever use. No. No. Thing was with Goodreader, it's got this USB transfer app. And I use that all the time because that way I could transfer. I know you can connect to it via a browser, but then you're working file by file. So for me, the the USB transfer app meant I could transfer folders full of documents. It was great, but for me lately, it's been really flaky. 
Yeah, I tend to I tend to transfer just a few documents at a time. Maybe that's why I've not had any problems with it. But certainly, if you're taking a whole load of files across, then I can see why it could uh, could get a bit flaky. Well, what's happening is it's saying it's disconnected, so it's saying it can't find Goodreader, it can't yeah. find the iPad. Um, I am using a hub because I've got a million USB devices, but I've tried different cables, I've tried different hubs, and it's not really making a difference. So it does connect and it does transfer a few files, but then that's when it starts getting flaky, at which point I just don't have the time for that. So what I started to do was use a local Wi-Fi transfer. So I can connect directly to Goodreader. I turn Goodreader into a Wi-Fi server, and then I use Finder to connect to it, which works brilliantly. Uh, it gets over the problem of handling individual files, but I have a big, big issue. You can't do anything else in Goodreader while it's transferring the files. So Goodreader sits there with a dialog box on the screen of the iPad with uh, as you're actually transferring, there's a red box flashing on and off saying, you know, do not stop, do not stop transferring progress. And I transfer a lot of files. So that was becoming a bit of a problem. For me, what was important was to find something that's got fast transfer of documents, good file management. Um, I annotate a lot of PDFs, so it needed to be able to do that. Good search of documents and good search within documents. Now, I think your requirements are slightly different. Yeah, um, I was using, well, I still am using Goodreader for watching videos, reading PDFs, uh, annotating PDFs, uh, putting files uh, or pulling files down from Dropbox and also uploading to FTP from the iPad. Which I found a slight, a slightly odd use for it. Yeah, well, it was when I was lying in bed ill with just an iPad. Hang company. on, hang on. Let me get the violins out. <laughs> right, where you go. When I was lying in bed ill just before Christmas with only my iPad for company and I needed to upload some files and I didn't have an FTP program on the um, iPad. So I came up with using Dropbox. Uh, Dropbox. Um, good reader. So you're lying in bed with your iPad and the best use you can find for it is to... Uh use FTP. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Nothing, nothing at all. So, enter documents, version four of Riaddle Docs. The interface is just completely gorgeous. It looks like Tweetbot. I knew I'd seen it before. It, it, what's become a standard is that darker grey look, hasn't yeah. it? Um, a lot of apps started off and they had like a pale blue look and then there was like a, a pale grey look. But that that darker grey look is gorgeous. It really does entice you to use it. And there's some lovely touches in the interface. It really has been thought through. Um, there's an icon that represents your application. So you've got icons built in there for zip files and uh, PowerPoint files. And they're not using the um, built-in icons or the, the, the icons you think of for Excel and Word and PowerPoint and Pages. Um, they've got their own set and they are really nice. The ones they're using for folders, instead of just having an icon that represents a folder, there's two. There's a folder with content and a folder without. And I just think that is just a lovely touch. You can instantly see if a folder is empty without actually having to go into it or do anything else in terms of getting the size up of it or anything. So I think that is just to die for. And I know it sounds like it shouldn't matter, but if you think of OmniFocus, if you've ever tried using OmniFocus, it's gorgeous on the iPad, not so much on the desktop. It's, it's again, it's functional, it's powerful, but it's not pretty. Am I that fickle? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Clearly it appears that I am. 
Um, the other thing is, when you look at it, you could be forgiven for thinking, well, it's pretty, but it looks like a toy um, by comparison to Goodreader. But no, there are many, many options that are hidden until they're relevant. So if you look at it and you think, well, how do I sort? How do I rename? How do I delete? At the point that you hit that edit button, all those options become available to you. Whereas in Goodreader, all the options are there and you can see them all of the time and they're dimmed out. So what this one does is it uses a bar on the left hand side to make extra options available when you're in the right mode. So I wanted to test this with something that I thought it might choke on. I must admit, I didn't really expect this to work. It's something that we've done via Goodreader before, but we had problems this time, didn't we? Replicating it in Goodreader. Yeah. What I did was, um, you are supposed to be able to download files as an integrated browser. So what I did was I tested it with MacBytes, the iBook. The file is about 180 meg, so it took its sweet time to download. When it downloaded, I thought, well, will it manage to unzip it? And it did. Once it has un unzipped it, um, the next thing you do is tap it. And at the point I tapped it, it tried to open it and I got a blank screen. But if you tap and hold on it, it will then give you the option to hand it off to another iOS app. And of course, iOS 6, the, the update to iOS 6, now, now allows more than 10 handoff apps, which was a problem you noticed, wasn't it? That was a problem a while back, wasn't it? It was. You had a different set of 10 to me, and I said, well, let's count how many there are. <laughs> oh, look, there's 10. You know, it must be the limit. They've solved that problem by having um, a swipeable window now. So I had more than 10 listed, and I, one of them was iBooks. So I could transfer my iBooks to the iBook reader, and it worked seamlessly. So I think that was a pretty hefty test. I can't see me downloading much bigger than that and, and trying to hand it off. So I, I did a few round trips with documents, and it worked very, very well. For me, one of the huge things with it was I opened a PDF in documents, and I started seeing what highlighting I could do, what annotations. The highlighting was way more responsive than Goodreader. I don't know if you've had the same problem, but my problem with it is I can highlight brilliantly in Goodreader. But if I then want to either clear that highlighting or change it to a different colour, I, I tap on it in a certain way that I, I'm positive is how I should tap on it. And, you know, the third time, the fourth time, maybe it'll work. But very seldom does it work the first time. Yes, I, th I think I came across that problem as well. Um, the only thing was, you know, it worked brilliantly and I could clear the highlighting very well and I could underline with it. And there's a wide range of colours I could highlight with. But the freehand annotations were missing, which I found very strange because there is another application called PDF Expert. And that's also from Riaddle. And that has an entire range of PDF specific functions. So I couldn't fathom, you know, it's not that they don't know how, it's not that they've not already got the code written, it just isn't there. So freehand annotations where you literally just draw around something or you mark it up with boxes and arrows, that's not available. It is available in PDF Expert, which looks very similar to documents. Problem with it is it's $6.99, which isn't really a huge problem, but it doesn't have some of the other features. So odd, very odd, I think. 
I'm hoping they'll add just the, the annotation features and uh, leave the other features maybe, form filling and uh, really advanced PDF stuff in PDF Expert. And I suppose you could round trip between the two, but I just really like a full range of annotation in there. I think it would be perfect for me if it was. Um, the documents do have, if they're PDFs, navigation via bookmarks, via an outline and via annotations, which we then tested Goodreader, didn't we? And Goodreader could do all of that. It just wasn't as pretty. Yeah. So it had a bigger dialogue box and you kind of drilled down into it with Goodreader. Whereas in documents, um, it kind of extended. Um, so it, the, the dialogue box started off quite small. And as you opened various elements, the dialogue box got bigger and you could scroll up and down. So it, it did all the same. One of the extras was I noticed you could web dev between iPads. So when you turned it on and uh, set your web dev up, you spotted my iPad and my iPad spotted your iPad and they lived happily ever after, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> that worked well. Um, it doesn't have... So So the thing, the problems for me were it didn't have these freehand annotations and it doesn't have connections to local network machines, which again, I found very odd. It had virtually every service I've heard of and several that I haven't. So boxes there and Dropbox and iCloud. So you can link to all the usual services, but not a local machine. So I couldn't set it to look at one of my network mount points and just tap it to connect. What I could do, I could set up the um, installation of documents as a web dev server. And then whatever FTP client you've got, You've got FTP clients that you use in bed, haven't you? Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> let's along. not go there. No, let's not, hey. <laughs> but you could if you wanted to. Uh, you could do that from iPad to iPad, I think, but you couldn't do it from app to app because it's not got full multitasking. But you can set up in your FTP client a set of settings that will then connect you to documents on your iPad. And then you can transfer backwards and forwards from your iPad. And as long as you leave documents running, it will just carry on transferring files. What was fantastic for me was it did that without locking up the app. There is no dialog box with the flashing red box saying I'm transferring, go away. So I could actually sit there with it transferring 30 gig of data and I could open, I could do anything within documents. So I could open up a PDF and I sat there and I marked up one of my manuals as, as I was, as it was transferring, which to me would be a huge time saver. So it would have to be a trade-off between the full annotations and something that would save time in terms of the transfer. And then I said to you, because you said, oh, all the annotations aren't there. And I said, do you ever actually use anything other than highlighting and underlining? And I said, no. <laughs> I must admit, I said no as well. I just like them there. It's a comfort <laughs> thing. <laughs> you know, if, if they could add anything, that would be it. Please add it. If you add that, I shall be so, so happy. It did work. I noticed one of my servers appear. So although it couldn't connect to a standard local machine, it was showing me my Lion Mountain Lion server. So it could find that. A uh, little niggle. I'd like to be able to rename the network connections in the sidebar. What it did with Dropbox was just list it as my Dropbox username. But on SkyDrive, it used the email address and the sidebar really isn't wide enough to show the whole email address. So it was all truncated. I'd just like to be able to rename those things. But apart from those few niggles, I can see me actually using this. Um, conclusion, it looks really pretty, doesn't it? Yes. But, but yes, there's stuff missing. 
Sadly, yes. But I'm hoping that they'll do something about that. Um, as we said, there's PDF Expert. There's two versions of that, iPhone and an iPad version. They're both $6.99. Um, I've acquired the iPhone version from somewhere. I must have paid 69 pence for it. I buy these apps at 69 <laughs> pence. So um, I'm sh I've noticed that they do have sales quite frequently. So I must admit, I'm so impressed with documents, I'm tempted by PDF Expert now. And I think if I had a need to really seriously annotate a document, I, I would probably go for that. Um, that has the whole range of PDF functions. So if you want to fill in forms and sign PDFs, that's what that one's for. But this sort of has all, supports all the file formats. So I, I opened um, an ebook in it. You watched a video, didn't you? There was music transferred, photos. So it could handle all the apps that Goodread, um, all the document types that Goodreader could. I wish they'd merge the functionality of PDF Expert with documents, and that would be me sorted. It would really simplify, simplify the workflow for me. I will consider changing. Um, at the moment, I'll stick with Goodreader. You know me. <laughs> yes, you'll probably change about 12 months down the line. <laughs> no, I'm going to give it a good go, because I'd already said to you, I was thinking of um, getting the new version of Air Sharing, which is also 699 what I wanted to do with that was, as I said, I've got in Goodreader a whole personal library. And sometimes I just want to take, you know, a fistful of PDFs with me on my iPad just to read and annotate and then transfer back. And I don't really want them in my whole system in Goodreader. So I think I'm going to give it a really good go with these extra files. And um, I could well end up switching to it. It's going to depend. But if they added in that PDF functionality, I'd be there. What I, again, this is, this is huge to me. This app is free. I could not believe it's free. Maybe it's free for a, a, a short time. It doesn't actually say it's free forever. It doesn't say it's free for a short time either, but it is an amazingly powerful and, and well-written app to be free. Especially mm. when you consider that the PDF expert thing is six ninety nine. That's so true. They may well start charging for this at some point. Uh, hopefully not before you've heard the show. But whether you think you'll need it or not, it's one of those I definitely download it. It's that good. It's definitely worth a download. I'd pay for it. It's that good. So um, yes, that is documents for iPad from Riaddle. Highly, highly recommended. Shall we move on to feedback and comments? Why not? Okay. Uh, we heard from Mac Jim, didn't we? We've heard from Mac Jim several times. Yes. Thank you, Mac Jim. It's good to know that you're there poking us up the proverbial. <laughs> do you want me to read it? Yes, but please lose the accent. Okay. You'll He's... ruin it for me if you do. Okay. Scottish accents are so gorgeous and yours is um, not quite there. Thank you. <laughs> he says, I well, I thought the same. I don't know about what. <laughs> Um, the iPhone. It'll be All the right. iPhone, this. This goes back to um, not long after the last show. As I've had three versions of the iPhone, I, th I had thought about buying an iPod Touch and a BlackBerry, but decided to go for the 16 gig white iPhone 5. But what made me go for the iPhone again was simply the ability to sync all and the investment in apps. Why the white version? Well, I felt the black version looked like a Chinese knockoff. But whilst the white version matched all my Apple products, with the exception of the Apple TV, I got to agree with that. Um, I did go that route. I did go the um, iPod Touch route. Uh, I didn't need the BlackBerry, thankfully, as I've got my 4S. But I did decide, I just didn't think, although this might sound odd because I did go from an iPhone 4 to a 4S. 
and they look identical, don't they? Yeah. There's only the switch in a different place, and they look identical. So it seems odd for me to say there wasn't much difference for me for the iPhone 5 when the screen's wholly different, and it's a lot lighter. I, I just didn't feel I needed a new phone. I mustn't have been well. No. Was I ill at the time? Probably. Anyway, so I decided that I too would try an iPod Touch and see if I could cope without the phone part of it, because you know me, I don't actually use the phone that much, do I? No. And um, I'm happy with my iPod Touch, so I, I went that route. And I do agree with the black one, very strange design decisions. I think it's the bezel that got me that that was black. If that was silver, oh, that would have given me much more to think about. But uh, the fact that it was black, it looked like um, a stealth bomber, didn't it? <laughs> With that kind of matte paint on it. Very odd design decision. Yeah. So I agree with McJim. You have excellent taste there. It is quite strange as well, isn't it, that the Apple TV is black? It is. Because strange. now it's very similar in terms of look to um, an Airport Express. Mm, that's true. And that's white. Mm, odd mm. decision there. Probably because TVs are mainly black. But I wouldn't know. Don't have a TV. Do have I an Apple so. TV. That's a totally different story. So carry on with McJim. Yes, he uh, he also succumbed to buying a Moby Magic Charger. I knew you would in the end. Oh, it his just magic took some mouse. time. So he's now a member of your geek club. <sighs> and he man. wants to know where the podcast has gone. And, of course, he's back. Ah, we're back. But the Moby Magic Charger. Mmm batteries. I have a tale to tell about those. No, you promised not another word about batteries. I lied. This is important. Yes, I, we, we'd all heard about my batteries, didn't we? And um, I was with the Honor Loops and the Honor Loops were fantastic. And then it got better. I managed to acquire a set of high power Honor Loops. So these ones look like the logo off the X Factor. They're black with, with purple, a big purple X on them. And they're high powered. And I think I got them around May, June time. And they worked perfectly. They lasted a bit longer, so I could probably get over two weeks out of a set of batteries. And I was blissfully happy with them. Until late November, when uh, I was getting constant disconnects with the same batteries. So they'd been working perfectly for a good few months, and then they, the mouse just started disconnecting. And it happened where they were fully charged, almost flat, and everywhere in between. So, you found a link, and other people were having the same issue. Yes, I'm just looking at this link. Um, the, the, somebody says that the best solution was to grab a set of Apple's own rechargeable batteries. Because I am the, not going there. I promised myself no. They're the right size. That's not the point. The batteries are batteries. <laughs> they should all be the same size. Somebody else says the same thing, that um, smaller batteries come loose and the power is lost so the Bluetooth dies. Yes, anyway, but, I, but these were the same batteries that were working perfectly. Yeah, but I, I, this gets better. I, I carried on reading this thread and somebody says, this worked great. I cut a piece of paper 8 centimetres by 8 centimetres, folded it twice to get a 4 centimetre by 4 centimetre square. Then I folded it once more to get a 4 centimetre by 2 centimetre rectangle. You get the idea, yeah? Oh, then I folded it down outwards and in half this sounds like Blue Peter <laughs> I am still awake but only just carry on 
<laughs> in half the two long four centimeter edges making a four centimeter by one centimeter rectangle that when let loose opens up into what looks like a small unfinished paper airplane finally i wedge the middle fold between the two batteries and let the outer folds open up one closed on what one on top of each battery close the lid right snug no more problems it sounds like battery origami to me <laughs> Do you think this person has a life? Uh, so yeah, well, somebody else says, well, the paper trick worked. I have to say, I just tore a piece of drawing paper off, folded it a couple of times, and the light stopped blinking on the mouse, bam, connected. All that precise two centimetre <laughs> measuring above is quite quite on a roll, but I have work to do, LOL. <laughs> now that sounds more like me. But anyway, let me summarise that for you. Size really does matter, apparently. And your assets often shrink in the cold weather. It must have been when the weather got cold in November and my batteries have shrunk. But anyway, back to McJim, whose assets are perfectly proportioned, I do believe. Yes, he said it's hard to believe that the last podcast was back in July. What <coughs> happened to the show? When will we hear your dulcet tones again? I take it he means yours and not mine. You never know. When will we get our next fix of MacBytes? Well, as I said, here we are. Right now. <laughs> Perfect timing then, really. Yes. <laughs> Events. Yes, events. Yes, MacBytes Learning is gearing up for 2013 with a sneak peek behind the scenes of how we deliver training live online. 31st of January, 8pm UK time for a tour of not only behind the scenes of Adobe Connect, but also behind the scenes of Elaine's desk as she reveals the contents of the MacBytes magic cupboard via a Wi-Fi camera during the demo. Should I be worried? No! And another one for your diary is iBooks Author, an introduction. Some of you may have attended Elaine's fantastic webinars about iBooks Author last year. Well, she's running the introduction one again, this time covering the new features of version 2. That's on the 20th of February at 2 o'clock UK time. And links for both webinars will be in the show notes. But... That's it for this episode of MacBytes, and as always, we would love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments and queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com, or you can use the contact form on the website, or send us an audio file, and how about leaving a comment on the show notes at macbytes.co.uk. Don't forget to keep sending in your love bites, it's February soon, tempt us back, and give us a like on Facebook. You, I'm still struggling with Facebook. You are. Yes. Am I getting any better? No. Uh, I've, yes. managed to, I've managed yes, to link yes, it yes, back yes, up yes. with Twitter. So when um, people think I'm there and I'm not. But it's lucky they do send me an email every now and then. But anyway, yes, no, no, Facebook. Let's not go there. So sign up for the newsletter at macbytes.co.uk and you can follow MacBytes on Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. So until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. Are you letting them out again now they've recorded a show? Damn it. I can't find the key. Oh well. Looking good for a show next week then, Minster.